Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to Sox on Tap. It's Tony Marchese, joined tonight by NWI Steve. We had a long ball game today. It was a long ball game yesterday. Sorry, we were not on these airwaves, uh, but we'll talk about this Crosstown series. Uh, but before we do that, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature podcasting needs. Follow us at Sox on Tap on Twitter, Steve at NWI underscore Steve, and myself at Tony on Tap Steve. Long ball game, a lot to talk about here. We're going to try and get through all of this, but uh, I'm going to take a sip of my victory beer. How you doing, man? Hey, yo, Anthony. Um, it's a mixed bag. Obviously, you get a win. Had a really tough week there, but it's hard for this victory to overshadow the bad news that we are going to talk about that came as a result of, of said victory. Yeah, and that's that's fair. I think that's a fair statement, uh, you know, off the bat here, and we'll we'll get to that. Um, before we get to it, though, we got to talk about how we got there, and that was with a, a just a gem of uh, an outing from Dylan Cease on the mound, keeping the Cubs scoreless. Uh, it just give me some thoughts on Dylan Cease's start today, uh, and we'll we'll go from there. A little bit of an interesting start from Dylan today. Didn't have the high strikeout numbers that we have grown accustomed to seeing from him throughout the first two months of this 2022 season. Cubs really went out there and they had a pretty aggressive game plan against him, swinging in early counts, limiting the number of times that they were getting themselves into two-strike situations, aside from the first two hitters of the game that Dylan was able to strike out. Um, For the most part, Dylan was really a two-pitch pitcher today. It was just fastball and slider. He only threw in a couple of curveballs. We didn't see the changeup at all here today. Pretty good balance as far as first pitch uh, variability with the fastball and the slider usage on it. But I think it was kind of fascinating just to see him really not utilize a third pitch for most of the outing here. And he was able to do it successfully. Didn't give up much hard contact there. Gave up the one unearned run over the course of seven innings. So overall, you'll take that from him anytime. Yeah, you absolutely will. Finishes with seven innings pitched, only gives up the one run. I know he said he held the Cubs off the board. I'm not putting that on Dylan Cease really at all, Steve. In my opinion, that was just a poorly played ball from Jake Berger um, that winds up getting by. And that comes late in this ball game. So overall, You love this from your starting pitching right now. Uh, You you love seeing, uh, you know, one run, no runs through six innings of the ball games. Gives your offense plenty of opportunities to get the job done, Steve. Let's take it back to some of the early offensive struggles in this game for the White Sox. What's going on with the approach? Tim Anderson starts the game off, sets the tone like we like to see. Uh, Obviously, more news there to talk about, but White Sox unable to do anything in the first portion of this ball game. Is it, a, is it a result of Cubs pitching or just bad White Sox offense? 
It was a combination of the two, and it's really something we've seen pretty much the entire season to this point. Marcus Stroman was going out there aggressively pounding the fastball within the strike zone, utilizing sinker, slider combination. So he went out there and he was doing a good job of working ahead of guys, inducing soft contact, getting a lot of ground balls, which granted against the White Sox doesn't say a lot because they like to beat the ball into the ground more than just about any team in the league. But Stroman went out there, had his usual game plan, was able to go and execute it. And he he was making some good quality pitches in there and getting a lot of soft contact. So it was really a combination of the two. Yeah, and just not what you like to see. I mean, it was more of the same. You're you're watching, uh, you know, your Twitter timeline. You're watching the ball game. You're talking to people about this. A lot of negativity early on because it fe- it felt and it still kind of feels more of the same. Unable to get runs across the plate, um, just nothing going there. Big moment in this game, though, Steve. And, and here it is. This is going to be uncomfortable to talk about. Uh, fifth inning, Tim Anderson takes a grounder uh, deep in the hole at short. Uh, kind of makes a lunging throw over to first. He does get the runner, but he comes up lame, grabbing the right groin, needs to be helped off the field. Just felt like a death blow, especially, and it's going to feel like a death blow for a while, depending on what we hear from the injury news. Uh, but it, just take me back to that moment, what was going on in your head when you saw Tim Anderson being helped off the field? My initial moment is we are at a live funeral. Hence, I'm wearing black today. It is very hard to think positive about the direction of this team that has been struggling offensively all season to put the ball in play, get guys on base, and score runs with Tim Anderson, really having the best start to a season in his career. And now you take that tone setter out of the top of the lineup here for anywhere from two weeks to a month, depending on the severity of this scoring screen. You're going to Toronto in Tampa next week, and then you got the Dodgers coming in after that. That's a nine-game, absolutely brutal stretch right there. It's really hard right now to maintain a positive spin on this thing. And even just finding a way to come back and win this ballgame today to get a split. I talked about this at the top of the show. It's very challenging right now to not be overly negative about where this thing is heading now, knowing that Tim Anderson is going to be gone for an extended period of time. Yeah, and uh, the official ruling was uh, right groin strain, Steve. Uh, obviously, he's going to be further evaluated. Uh, I believe you had mentioned before we started this that LaRusse had said something about an MRI tomorrow to, de- to just determine what the the grade of the strain is and, and how much recovery time that's going to be. So we don't have that information uh, just yet. Uh, for everybody. But uh, once again, we'll have that up at ontapsportsnet.com in our White Sox section as soon as we know uh, what's going on with Timmy and what to expect there. But Steve, um, you know, I want to dig more into this uh, after we finish talking about the game and just kind of long-term impact stuff, where we're going to go from here um, and just kind of settle into that. But for all intents and purposes, Danny Mendick replaces Tim Anderson uh, in this game and does get himself a couple of hits here. Uh, through the late portions of the Sox, unable to score any runs until the bottom of the ninth inning on some wild pitch offense, Steve. You got to love the wild pitch offense and just how bad the Cubs are uh, when it comes to helping them actually steal a game for once because there was a lot of free baseball. There was a lot of bad baseball, interesting baseball. I call it fun baseball. I don't know about you. Some people have, you know, painful experiences watching stuff like this. 
I kind of love when the game loosens up a little bit and you see the White Sox start scoring some runs. I think they need to play a little looser like that, but overall unable to score until the ninth inning, they get the run across. Uh, give me your thoughts on that ninth. I mean, that was a very White Sox bottom of the ninth inning there. It almost kind of felt like maybe the, the, Sox, you know, players switched and put on Cub uniforms and just the way they gave that run away. Uh, David Robertson making the the throwing error initially off of the, uh, you know, comebacker um, to kind of put them in a position right there to have a base runner. And then you get that pass ball. It, it's just you, you felt like you were watching the Sox out there defensively. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else really to say about it. Yeah, and the Sox actually thought that they walked this one. I, again, back and forth scoring uh, in the 10th and 11th, but there was a play, uh, Steve, that I really want to talk about, and that's Lurie Garcia's little uh, swinging bunt, would you say, uh, that he winds up at first No, that base was an side. actual bunt. It was an actual bunt? Yeah. Okay, so it was an actual bunt, and uh, Lurie's running down the base pads. He's kind of inside the line a little bit. I haven't looked at my rule book yet. Uh, judgment call at first base, uh, that ball got away and the Sox would have scored the winning run there. Um, but that one gets overturned back thoughts on, uh, what could have been Lurie legend night on this show. That's really a, a coin flip of a call right there. I think we've both seen a number of circumstances where that call has gone the other way for a number of, of circumstances. So, it's one of those things that it it ultimately can go either way because it is so subjective. Unfortunately, in this circumstance, it did go against the Sox right there. But it was just kind of one of those things. It was like, how much longer are they just going to extend this agony? If, you know, it's like both, both teams were just trying to give this game away. And then ultimately, um, you know, the, the Cubs obviously did. But it just was like... <laughs> It honestly felt like watching a clown show out there with these two teams the last couple innings. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I'm going to try and take a positive away from this, Steve, because it was a win, so that's the positive uh, that I'll take. But the Sox were dead for nine innings and a wild pitch, no Tim Anderson in the lineup. Things are getting weird. You've got a defensive double switch that took place there when Reese McGuire comes out. Um, Yaz is back behind the plate ends up actually making a, a very important defensive play uh, on a ball that was hit up and behind him that he kind of recovered for to getting out there in, in the last inning. Um, so it was just weird how this thing all culminated together uh, and the Sox are able to walk away with one. But I just don't understand. Like, Can the Sox just start with a runner on second base every inning? Is that the key for the White Sox success? I don't know what it is. Because the story all year, Steve, has been this team can't hit with runners in scoring position. And then all of a sudden, they just turn it on in the extra innings of a, a crosstown game for basically the first time we've seen this offense just kind of click through. And everybody was all out of sorts because of all of the moving players around and you're on a short bench already. Uh, it was just wild to watch. Like, why did that show up when it did? Because baseball is weird. There, there simply is no other explanation for it. Like you just talked about, this team has been really inept at being able to cash in runners on runners in scoring position with less than two outs. We saw that with Reese McGuire um, 
and Adam Engel in the bottom of the seventh inning when they had an opportunity against Marcus Stroman. So it just kind of felt like, okay, here we go. It's the same song and dance that we've seen all season here. And then you get into that spot. You, you give up the run in the top of the 10th inning. You find a way to scratch and claw. You get, you tie the thing up. Then you give up two in the top of the 11th. And you're thinking, okay, they're just going to put us out of our misery here with that second run. And then they just, they find another way again. It was so bizarre. I mean, in a lot of ways, this was almost kind of a win you saw from this team a year ago when they would find different ways to get wins from some guys you didn't expect, guys like Billy Hamilton, guys like Brian Goodwin. We haven't seen that type of magic here in 2022. So it was kind of a flashback to that a little bit. And that felt good. I mean, there's, at least for me, that felt good because you want to find ways to win baseball games kind of in that fun manner. And this was, this was kind of refreshing, at least for a moment. It takes your mind off of the Tim Anderson injury because you want to, you just want to watch your team play baseball and win. Goodwin and uh, Hamilton, actually, for some reason, I mean, this is like deja vu. I was thinking about them during this game as well, Steve. Um, I, I miss both of those guys right now for some reason. I feel like the clubhouse has needed that kind of fun mentality, winning baseball games like this, just stealing games from your opponent that you had no business winning, I think helps build that forward momentum. It's going to be hard because of the injuries that are uh, you know, just racking up a little bit of another news note on top of your Tim Anderson injury. You've got Eloy Jimenez coming out of uh, his first at bat down in Charlotte last night. No, we haven't had a chance to talk about that yet. We will. Um, but you know, it's just one thing after another. That's why, you know, we say it all the time. It's always something uh, the only way to combat that Steve, in my opinion, is to have fun and just find wins to win baseball games uh, in a scrappy manner. And that was the it. That was the magic that we talked about on the show last year. One game isn't going to be enough for me. Two games isn't going to be enough for me. How three isn't going to be enough for me to say it's back. But this was at least some sort of something. Because if you lose this game, we're probably in here on this show in a whole different manner. Um, you, you did not want to see this team get swept by the Cubs this weekend. So I guess there's some sort of saving grace here before we all jumped off a ledge. Yeah, had they lost this game, obviously the mood would be even more somber than it already is, just given the news with T.A. You compound that then by falling two games below 500, six games behind the Twins. I mean, you're still five out now. You've got a very daunting task ahead of you with your schedule for the next nine games. You lose this one, and then you have the off day tomorrow, and you got to get on that plane, and you got to go up to Toronto. Um, I would imagine that the mood in that clubhouse would be pretty bleak, for lack of a better term, had they not found a way to be gifted this game today. Yeah, and that's uh, 100% true. I don't think that uh... – I, don't, I honestly don't know if this team would have been able to handle uh, losing today's ball game. So it's a good thing that they won. Steve, I'll talk about one last thing from today. Jake Berger, he makes the play earlier that costs the White Sox the initial run uh, out of fielding error at third base. Then he plays hero in uh, the final inning of this ball game on a just line drive uh, single out to left field. Uh, that drives in the winning run, stuck with it. 
I think he had a good day at the plate despite the results, what the stat sheet's going to show, because he he is still hitting the ball hard. Uh, it's good to see him get rewarded, uh, be the hero uh, that walks off the Chicago Cubs. I, I'm, I really like what I see from him. I know he's got a lot of, of room to grow, Steve, uh, but you see him getting rewarded, batting third in the lineup, just in big spots early. Uh, this is early on in his career. I, I really like what I see from the kid, Steve, and I was happy to see him uh, take care of business there to put this one out of reach. You always like to see a friend of the show come through and have a nice hit, find a way to redeem himself from making that error that allowed the unearned run against Dylan Cease to come across the plate. And he he has, by and large, had some pretty good at-bats in there. Um, he's providing some power at you know third base here in the absence of Yoan Moncada. And he's still, to your point, a, a guy that is learning at the major league level, hasn't had a ton of overall seasoning at, at the minor league level for things outside of his control with the unfortunate injuries that have just piled up on him going back to his very first spring injuries, COVID short yeah. season, just a lot of different factors at play for Mr. Jake. Yeah. And so this is a guy that you, you want to see have these moments. You want to see him have success just because of the tenacity and the perseverance that he has shown since he's been a part of this organization. And he's a guy that has always had a positive mindset, always shown a willingness to put in the work and do what is necessary to ultimately get himself to this level. So to see him be rewarded here is pretty nice. Absolutely is. And the Sox win by a final of five to four over the Chicago Cubs. It's always great to beat the Cubs, Steve. I know that we're going to talk about some, some more somber things, but it's always great to beat the Cubs. Like I'm happy. I, that'll, I think I heard that somewhere. That'll, that'll, that'll put a smile on my face the rest of the day. We're going to check in on Southside Ron later uh, just to see how he's doing over there. But Steve, let's, let's move on into some other White Sox topics. I mentioned Eloy Jimenez uh, comes out of yesterday's uh, ball game in his first at bat, uh, felt something tug uh, on his swing. Uh, he, uh, he runs down the line to first base and takes himself out of the ball game. Uh, in the White Sox news and notes section, um, how concerned are you about this recent development with Eloy Jimenez? It's obviously not good. The fact of the matter is at this point, anything they happen to get out of Eloy is a plus. I just don't feel like you can really count on him anymore at this juncture. We just keep seeing these things pile up and even when he's been in the lineup, if you go and if you look at his last 250 plate appearances, there's a lot of ground balls in there. There's not the middle of the order power that we were expecting, especially after hitting 30 home runs as a rookie in 2019. And then the performance that he had in the COVID short in 2020 season, we thought that this was a guy that was going to be a prodigious middle of the order run producer, as uh, Stephen Stone would say. And, I went on record as saying that I thought he was going to be the first player in Sox history to hit 50 home runs. <laughs> I look really dumb right now, just given what we've seen from him. But his inability to stay on the field is very problematic. We talk about this in the group text all the time. Availability is the most important ability. And with Eloy, we just simply don't have that. Well, Steve, uh, obviously the bat plays when it's when it's working. 
he is a guy that I know that you have said, you said it in, in person to me, you've said it via text message, you've said it on the show, you've said it all over the place that this guy's got the ability to hit 50 home runs. I think what we're at as White Sox fans right now, the point where we're at with this is we know about all the potential with this team. We know about all the, the different uh, you know uh, abilities of some of these guys who came here and were supposed to be stars. I remember back towards the beginning of the rebuild and it was, you know, there was a lot of stuff talked about there where if a couple of these guys work out, this team's going to be in good shape. Do you remember those days? Oh, how could I ever forget? If a couple of these guys pan out, we'll be okay. Now, we're sitting here now at the point where a lot of them have made their way to the major leagues. Past that point of, you know, if these guys make it up and they and they make an impact, we're going to be okay. The availability portion to this has been the crux of the issue. Yoan Moncada, Luis Robert thus far early on. Um, you saw injuries to Nick Madrigal, who was part of that group, uh, is no longer. Uh, there's been injuries with uh, Eloy Jimenez uh, habitually. Um, some My, Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech. A lot of these guys have had availability issues, and I think it's every team's going to have their injuries. This feels excessive. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't looked at around the league stats on injuries and guys you know, who are just in and out of the lineup, but – it just feels excessive at this point. You want that to change. I don't like the fact that Eloy Jimenez is taking himself out of ball games, his first ball game back. And, you know, here's his first play to I hear setback. I hear setback. And I don't want to hear that because it's important. You see Tim Anderson go down today. At least there would have been some comfort if Eloy went three for four yesterday with two home runs down in Charlotte and starts off this rehab appearance. Good. But now you hear. Well, this is normal with that surgery. You know, I, I, I believe I heard that bit on the uh, pregame show. Uh, this is normal with that injury. You know, he's going to have to work through it. Well, if I don't have 100% Eloy Jimenez, I don't think I'm going to get those 50 bombs. I'm going to get three days a week Eloy Jimenez. And then we're spelling other people. Now we start to dive into this whole roster construction issue. So that's where I'm disappointed. That's where I'm frustrated. And it's just also painful to see. Uh, let's move on into more depth about the Tim Anderson injury, Steve, and what that means for the White Sox going forward here. You know there's going to be a corresponding move. IL stint's going to be necessary. If you're Rick Hahn right now and you're sitting there on the phone with Tony La Russa and Kenny Williams and trying to draw up some plan, what are you doing, Steve, to help keep this thing afloat? You mentioned the next nine games are going to be grueling. Um, you know you have to weather the storm, so to speak, in order to stay in contention, get yourself to the second half of the season, pray for health, and then utilize a week schedule in the second half of the season. But these are these are going to be a challenge. What are you doing if you're Rick Hahn? How are you going to construct and, and try and keep this team afloat? Well, I think at this point the obvious move is Yolbert Sanchez. I think a lot of people on Twitter.com and within the fan base were clamoring for him to get the call in place of Josh Harrison. I think this Tim Anderson injury saves Josh Harrison's life for another couple of weeks here. But Yolbert's a guy that was billed as a gold glove caliber shortstop when he was coming out of Cuba that was very light with the bat. So, you know, you'd be able to plug him in at that position. And I think you primarily would see him there. And then kind of a rotation with Josh Harrison and Danny Mendick at second base, allowing Tony La Russa to utilize 
Larry Garcia more in a corner outfield position. And I think particularly these next three games going into Rogers Center up in Toronto, very expansive outfield there. The idea of if Luis Robert comes back being flanked by Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn out there is not particularly appetizing to me. So if you actually put Larry out there, a guy that has shown he can handle a corner outfield position competently, that will put this team in a much better position defensively, which they really need to do because we saw again here today, unfortunately, with Jake Berger. Defense is you know, one of the kryptonites of this team. So anything they can do to turn batted balls into outs, they really need to do right now. They absolutely do, and that's another name that I want to bring up into all of this. You saw Yohan Mercado have a pinch hit situation today. He looked fine. He looked okay. He was smiling, comes out to take his at-bat, Steve. I don't like that. I don't like that he's just – for some reason. This is just my personal opinion on this. If you're good enough to come in and take that at-bat there, all smiles, ready to go. Yeah, I'm just reading the body language on this. Why aren't you playing right now? Is that a, is that a Yohan Mankata thing, or is that a Tony La Russa thing, though? I don't know. It could be. It could be a Tony La Russa thing. I like that you bring that point up, Steve, because it could be La Russa – trying to rest his guys uh, versus Yohan Mankata not being ready to go. I, I don't know the answer to that, but it's it's serious question to pose. I'm not sure. I don't know the answer. I'm not in Yohan Mankata's head, and I'm not in Tony LaRusso's head, but that's the only viable excuse here at this point. Um, and, and maybe it's just you're riding Jake Berger because he's swinging a hotter bat than uh, Yohan Mankata is at this point and giving him the extra days just to rest it off. But that's not what I want to see from the guy that you traded Chris Sale for, Steve. Like, in all honesty, it comes back to that for me. If he's ready to go, you got to figure out how to build this lineup around him. Jake Berger, obviously swinging one of the better bats on this ball club right now. You've got the injury to Tim Anderson. If Yohan Mankata is going to come back, Luis Roberts is going to come back. There's going to be some, there's going to be less plate appearances for some guys because you're going to have to send somebody down in order to make room for. Uh, Luis Robert coming back now. Obviously, your your send down or your IL stint might go Tim Anderson, and then uh, Luis Robert being activated. That could be it. But I don't like that one for one square because now we're messing with infield outfield depth position, Steve, and this is going to get really complicated. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't know what the viable alternative is. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to talk through this and work through it because I had forgotten when we talked about, you know, you call up Yolbert Sanchez. Well, you've got to make room now for Luis Robert, too. And there, there's a lot of moving pieces here. This is going to be interesting to see how they fold this out because I don't want to see Jake Berger go back down um, and then, you know, just be out positionally. Uh, Gavin Sheets is obviously a guy that you can say uh, might be the odd man out on this in terms of positionally. However, you know, he may have saved himself with that double in the ninth inning uh, there today. But and, and probably the left handedness, the fact that Gavin Sheets is a lefty probably saves him or at least is worth noting in some sort of consideration. This is going to get really interesting. The White Sox have not had a lot of middle infield depth. Obviously, that's a huge problem. Uh, so I don't really know where you go from here. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. It's it's just such a tricky position because of the fact that you do need some positional versatility, and this is where the organizational 
deficiencies of having all of these corner position guys that don't have a lot of defensive value really comes back to bite them in the ass for lack of a better term. When you, when you have guys like Jake Berger, like Andrew Vaughn, like Gavin Sheets, like Jose Abreu that you can't plug into, to other spots. And yeah, you know, you're trying to put square pegs in round holes by putting Vaughn and Sheets in the outfield, but we've seen that that just has not worked. Um, I like, I like this as a marketing slogan. White Sox baseball, putting square pegs into round holes. You know, I do have a marketing degree from um, Purdue University, you know, a uh, Big Ten school that has been able to advance to the second weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament at some point over the last 15 years. Interesting. Well, we might need to put that to work a little more as we come through (laughs) the back end of this season. I know, you know, your first move as uh, marketing director would be to bring back the $1 hot dogs. but uh, That's a given. The slogans might be where you make your real money, Steve. Um, yeah, I just, I, it's, it's so hard to look into the future and see what they're going to do with this. I just think that you have to weather the storm somehow here and keep yourself afloat and try and play as close to 500 baseball as you possibly can. I know that's not what anybody wants to hear because this team is capable of more. Um, but all things considered, dude, if if you're trying to get to the postseason. This is the toughest stretch of White Sox baseball I think we're setting up for here um, in my recent memory. Honestly, uh, outside of the Houston series in the playoffs last season, I don't know a more daunting stretch, a more stressful stretch of White Sox baseball that I feel like I've witnessed in my life. And you can kind of tell just by talking to another White Sox fan these days that everybody's going through the same thing. People are on edge. A hundred percent. And it's just, even when they win games, it's just not as enjoyable. I think I saw some stuff on twitter.com earlier this morning that the 2018 White Sox, the team that lost a hundred games, the worst team of my lifetime, even they had some fun moments and they were at least a somewhat entertaining team at times. This just, it just feels dirty. Is it because of the pressure and the expectations? The expectations absolutely come into this because we were sold a bill of goods that by this point we're smack dab in the heart of the contention window competing for a World Series every year and should be controlling the division. That's not happening here. And it looks as though the plans that were put in place were very faulty in a number of different areas. And now it's lending itself to a lot of second guessing about was this the right move during the rebuild? Was this the right move? And we shouldn't be having these discussions. We should be talking about controlling a division here and being in a position to be a viable World Series contender. And it just doesn't feel that way. And it fucking sucks. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. And I think, you know, in, in just looking back through a lot of that stuff, and our guy, Southside Ron, is in here. He said there's a lot of sadness despite the W. We already got through the positive part, part of this show, Ron, uh, if you're still tuned in. Uh, we got through the positive part of the show. We have to talk about some of the things that lie ahead and what's on tap for the Chicago White Sox team. It's been a rough stretch of baseball. I do really, really, really wholeheartedly believe that a lot of – the way that we're feeling right now as White Sox fans, the way that this thing has gone is because of the expectations that were set. It, it To me, every single game this year plays out differently because 
you've made it to the playoffs the past two years. You've gotten knocked out in the first round the last two I'll, years. I'll take I'll take it I'll take it. The a step bar forward. it needs to get raised. It's hard. I, I, I want to have fun with this. I hate turning on twitter.com, opening up that app and seeing all of the negativity. It drives me up the wall. I hate the this game's over nonsense in the in the first second inning of ball games. But it, I, I think 100% of that is expectation-based because the expectation is this team should go out and score 10 runs because it's full of phenoms and guys that were traded uh, for, for future Hall of Famers. And there's just so many injuries to guys. We just got done with this Eloy segment. It's 100% expectation-based. The reason that the 2018 team was, was fun is because there was no fucking expectations for them. You showed up to the ballpark, you drank a few beers, you had fun watching, you know, whoever the fuck it was, guys that you knew weren't going to be part of this. So every game feels like a playoff game right now. Every game feels like a game you should win because this was supposed to be the most hated team in baseball per Liam Hendricks. They were supposed to drive people nuts. And they're not driving anybody nuts except for their own fans right now. Well, the White Sox organization knows how to do that. They know how to alienate the few people that really give a fuck about this team more than just about any franchise in all of pro sports. And, you know, like you said, we were, we were told to expect a lineup full of just ass kickers that were just going to go out there and bludgeon people to fucking death and that they were going to run a bullpen that was never going to give up a hit. Yeah. I mean, we were, and we so were sometimes that's reality. Like there's going to be bad days for the offense. There's going to be bad days for your bullpen. But I mean, go back to it. We were sold this. We were told that this was going to potentially be the greatest era of White Sox baseball and that they were just going to run rough shot over this division. And I've been talking about this for years that, they're in a division with a bunch of small market piss ants. They should literally be just stepping on these fucking little cockroaches every single year. And continually year in and year out, you see Cleveland and Minnesota, smarter organizations, doing things to surpass the White Sox. And you look at this entire rebuild process, and it just it doesn't feel like what we were told it was going to feel like. This was supposed to be the best of times right now. Well, and Steve, sometimes the best of times also have to go through more stress when you're, when you're an organization that's trying to achieve things that are of higher goals. I feel like it's a natural response for it to be less fun. It's a natural response for any organization that needs to work hard and get through some things to be. I think Dodgers fans have been having a lot of fun for the last. I think Dodgers fans have been having a lot of fun, Steve. But where I'm going with this is I don't know if 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 some of these guys and the the injuries that have taken place and just the leadership uh, of of what's going on here was ready for these expectations. We mentioned a few different setbacks for guys like Jake Berger, misdevelopment time, things that have happened that have been outside the wildest control of anybody's thoughts. When all of this was laid out, the best laid plans sometimes don't go as as you want them to. But I think that's where we're at. Like if I want to step back and gather why people are as frustrated as they are with these te- like with this team and where everything's at right now, why it's so hard to be uber positive after beating the Cubs on a Sunday 
afternoon in an extra inning ball game. It's because of the expectations. I myself am trying to manage that as a White Sox fan. Try and enjoy these games. Try and get through this stuff. I've seen more texts, more tweets, more communication about turning ball games off this year so far than I have in any stage of any White Sox team that I've ever watched, including that 2018 team. I think it's sad because at the end of the day, you want to enjoy your baseball. You want to see this stuff, but it's 100%, in my opinion, expectation-based, what people were told, and maybe it's a tick below what we thought it was going to be. Maybe it was always supposed to be hard, but it's just sad to watch because there's so many people who've invested so many hours into watching this team, loving this team, rooting for this team, who get frustrated because we're down one to nothing in the ninth inning ball game and they come back and win. And it, it, to me, that, that sucks. You should be happy right now. You should be, <laughs> but it's just, even, even with the happiness of a come from behind victory, it can't be clean. And there has to be some additional adversity piled on top of everything else that we have already seen here in not even, we're not even through May. Yeah. That's what a missed opportunity thing. to name this show "Winning Ugly." Yeah, that's yeah, that's. I'll take that. I'll, that's a, that's I'll, a lack of oversight on your part. Somebody fly there. the L flag in my front yard, please. Uh, it's on me, uh, Steve. I don't really have much else on this ball or on this ball game. Some of this other stuff. One last note here: Lance Lynn is taking the mound right now, I believe, down in Charlotte. Let's hope we can get through that one. He needs three rehab starts. That was kind of the plan for him. Get him back on the mound. I feel like this team needs his voice in the dugout. I really think it does. I think our guy Besnick actually wrote a nice little piece over at ontapsportsnet.com. Uh, you can follow him at Sox Insane about how much the White Sox miss Lance Lynn. But I just they, they're lacking that cool and tough attitude right now. I think he's the guy that can bring it. Give me some thoughts on Lance Lynn rehab. Anytime you have an opportunity to add the big bastard back into this mix, get him coming in there, adding that uh, fire and passion that uh, maybe this team is missing. Certainly that would be a welcome addition for this group. And, um, you know, just like, like you talked about, I mean, this is a guy that has a presence that has been part of successful organizations for almost the entirety of his major league career. So to get him back in that mix would definitely be a lift for this starting rotation. And, you know, you would hope that it would be a lift for just the ball club as a whole, his mere presence being back in that clubhouse on a daily basis. Absolutely. And, you know, Steve, uh, you know, you just need the Els Keuchel's gone. We're going to have to, I'm going to have to redo the intro of the show at some point here over the next week, since he's mentioned, uh, and we didn't even get to talk about that. Maybe we need to spend three or two, two, three minutes on, on Dallas Keuchel here before we get into what's on tap next for the White Sox. Uh, so we will get to that, but I think Lance Lynn is going to be a stabilizer in the White Sox. rotation. You're still going to have a couple games with him where, you know, he's going to face a hitter uh, that he probably shouldn't and throw a fastball over the middle of the plate and get eaten alive on it. But the cool and tough attitude, the guy that's going to bring some fire, some passion, um, getting him back in this clubhouse is going to be, I think, a good positive thing for the White Sox overall. We would be remiss, Steve, if we didn't bring up Dallas Kite Club. I'm surprised it took us almost 40 minutes to get here. I actually kind of want to give you the floor here because we've got a lot of promotional material over at ontapsportsnet.com with you talking about Dallas Keuchel. 
I think it's I think it's the best. So Steve, Dallas Keuchel, DFA, you have the floor, my friend. Adios, say la vie, good riddance, have a nice life, go fuck yourself. You whiny little bitch, you make excuses for all of your failures, all of your ineptitude outside of those 12 starts you had in the COVID season. This guy just constantly was trying to pass accountability off to other people for his poor execution, his inability to get outs. I talked about this on Twitter.com the other day. He is on the Mount Rushmore of my most hated White Sox players in my lifetime. 100%. Can I get, you know, the rest of that Mount Rushmore here while we're here? I want to know what we're working. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the rest of that Mount Rushmore consists of two guys actually from the 2018 that won a division title, uh Nikki Swish and Orlando Cabrera, and then the fourth member of that is just because I have hated this motherfucker going back to 2006 when he was with the Twins. Justin, I'm not even going to say his last name. We know who you're talking about. Yeah, we know who it, you're talking about. You know, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna design a, a nice little poster for you of your Mount Rushmore of of hated White Sox players. Um, but it, and, and it, it took, it didn't take a lot for Dallas Keuchel to quickly ascend to Mount Rushmore status. There, just I am so happy to know that I will never ever have to watch him in a White Sox uniform again. Go fuck yourself. And that's NWI Steve on Dallas Keuchel being DFA'd. Uh, I think that this was uh, an interesting move for the White Sox and not interesting in any other shape of your imagination other than the amount of money that was given to this guy, the timing of it, knowing that you're going to have to go to other people. He was that bad that they just decided to cut ties just what an end of an era. What a what a brutal era. If there's um, one thing we know, it's that Jerry Reinsdorf hates, hates with every fiber of his being, giving away a penny to pay someone that is not in his team's uniform. Yeah. So for him to actually have to do that and have to stomach that, you know it's really bad. Yeah, it had to have been really bad there. Uh, Steve, excellent stuff on the Dallas Keuchel DFA Let's get into what's next for our Chicago White Sox. Off day on Monday, plane ride, Toronto. Steve, what do we got coming up? You got a three-game series north of the border against a Toronto Blue Jays team that had a lot of preseason expectations themselves. They were the sexy pick by a lot of national prognosticators to win the American League pennant, yours truly included in that and they have really been very underwhelming to this point. They have not been the offensive juggernaut that a lot of people thought they were going to be. I know I had predicted Vlad Guerrero Jr. to be the MVP this year. thought he was a guy that was going to potentially hit 50 home runs. He's been good. He has not been the guy that he was a year ago. Um, just offensively, they really haven't gotten going to this juncture. It's going to be a big challenge for the Sox coming up on Tuesday as they have to face Kevin Gaussman, who in his first season with the Jays has been phenomenal for that team. He's just been a strike-throwing machine out there, averaging .83 walks per nine, striking out over 10.5 guys per nine. So he's missing a ton of bats. He's in the strike zone consistently working ahead 
which I, I don't know if anybody's been listening to this show all year. That's the one thing I always talk about on a night in, night out basis. If you are a pitcher, pound the strike zone, work ahead, stay ahead. Gosman has been doing that with unbelievable efficiency this year. So the Sox lineup without Tim Anderson is really going to have their work cut out for them. Yeah, they are. And, you know, just for all intents and purposes, I don't want to be the team that gets the Toronto offense going um, to any extent. That's what I'm worried about, Steve. What do we got on the mound for the Sox in this series? Well, you're going to have Michael Kopech going on Tuesday, and Kopech has really thrown the ball well. Um, Obviously, that last start, last Sunday night, national stage against the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium was probably the best performance of his career to this point and you want to just see him continue to go out there utilize that fastball slider combination work ahead quickly that is a blue jays lineup that you do not want to give them free passes so any limiting of traffic on the base paths is something that he's going to have to do he's going to have to mix up his pitch offerings in there would like to see him be able to utilize and work in a third pitch with a little more regularity against that group, whether it is the overhand curveball that we saw a little bit more against the Yankees or sprinkling in a changeup. I think it's something that is going to be needed to keep that lineup off balance there. Just go out there and do what you did. Um, He's got a little bit of extended rest now, so it will have been 10 days for him. And I think that that probably aligns pretty well with just some of the things we talked about coming into the season, needing to manage his workload, needing to manage the innings for him so when you have the off days that they've had over the course of the last couple of weeks here it's given them an opportunity to space out his starts a little bit to save some bullets so hopefully he comes out there fresh ready to go pump and strike one early and often absolutely and i think that michael kopech will be up to the challenge obviously the new york yankees offense is just one of the best uh if there's somebody that i will entrust with the baseball for the chicago white Sox uh against the toronto blue jays Michael Kopech's probably damn near top of the list. Uh, obviously, this is a weird game. We all watched what happened today. Uh, weird stuff can happen. Uh, the bats are going to need to get going, uh, just like they were in the later half of today's ball game, Steve, if the White Sox want to do any damage up there. Uh, give me a series prediction uh, for this upcoming set north of the border. Admittedly, I do not feel good about this at all. I think that they will be lucky to scratch out one. I hate to say it, but that's very, just... very negative Nani approach to this one. Uh, we'll we'll get we'll get his his thoughts when he makes his way back from Wisconsin after the the holiday weekend here. Uh, Steve, I'm kind of with you on this as well. Um, I think you need to win at least one ball game through this through this series uh, to to just continue to weather the storm. I, I, that's. It's kind of the, the the game plan here in my mind is it's going to be ugly for a little while and it's going to continue to be ugly for a little while. And you got to find ways to have fun with it. When you're not having fun, the losses just continue to pile up. So you want to win ball games in a fun manner. I think that's the most important thing right now. I know that's not going to show up on the score sheet. There's no metric for fun, but you've got to find ways to, to just continue to be positive and make your way through this and hope that the second half of this season – things start clicking um you know and right now it's it, i give everybody who's turning ball games off and and just kind of down on this thing uh you know i, I understand it. i i absolutely do 
but yeah, you have to you have to find a way to win a ball game in, in Toronto. Uh, Steve, that's about all we have for today. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Enjoy an off day tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure what your plans are. I know it's a great day to be barbecuing, maybe be in a pool, uh, that type of stuff. Um, I hope you enjoy your off day as well. Uh, but give me your final thoughts. You know, final thoughts are just sometimes you got to win ugly. Today was one of those examples. Tough week going two and three. You had just a very ugly series against the Ginger Sox. Not a particularly appealing or appetizing series here against the Cubes this weekend. Um, much needed off day tomorrow. Gonna gonna have some nice little family time. Like I said, a little, little barbecue action mixed in there. Everyone knows I'm always up for a good barbecue. It's one of my favorite things to do in this world. So I'm going to be honest with you, having a Memorial Day and no White Sox baseball, it's going to be kind of refreshing. Well, that's nice, Steve. I hope you enjoy your barbecue. Uh, you know, I'm going to be doing the same thing. So uh, that's all we've got for you today. Thank you if you tuned in. We love that you come on here, comment, talk with us, talk White Sox baseball. Be sure you're following Steve at NWI underscore Steve on Twitter.com. Tony on tap at Tony on tap. That's where you can find me. You can find the show and all of our commentary at Sox on tap. And check out our articles on ontapsportsnet.com. We tweet them from that that Twitter account there. Follow us on Facebook. Same thing uh, at on tap sports uh, You can find us on all the social medias. That's our handle. Uh, Steve, always pleasure to talk about a white Sox winner. I know the circumstances weren't great. However, victory beers do taste better. That's all we have for today's show. White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>